Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. A modest proposal. How about President Biden invokes the Insurrection Act and uses it to detain Trump before Trump can use the Insurrection Act to detain America? That's Keith Olbermann. And I know, I know, Tony, why, why, why would you ever share Keith Olbermann? Well, the first, I think it's important to see exactly how lost he is. Um, how far he has fallen from a guy who was so much the centerpiece of ESPN, so much the centerpiece of MSNBC. He now wants the president of the United States to detain a private citizen. Yes, running for president, former president, but he wants him detained. Detain him before he does something I think is bad. If, if you ever want to know exactly the authoritarian nature of the political left. Uh, I've got a lot to say about the political left today because they're all out in force doing these interviews with Liz Cheney about Trump this and Trump that and Trump's going to be bad and Trump is this autocrat. You're the one saying that the guy should get arrested for something he hasn't done, but he might do it. We arrest people for might? In the United States, they might do, they may do, they could do what is possible for them to do. What kind of, what kind of thing is this? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. Be a part of the show. Call in. Would love to talk to you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. When I say to you, that it is obvious that the political left is the baseline. The baseline for bigotry in America, they scream about everybody else being bigots. Look at what they do on the college campuses. That is all the political left. Look at how they act in the halls of Congress. That is all the political left. Whether we're talking about Israel and Jews or talking about anything else. Go back to Joe Biden. If you don't know if you're going to vote for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Decided for you whether or not you're black enough based on who you vote for. And now this, which we've seen time and again and again. We're, we, the idea that there's no difference between the parties is, is, is completely untrue. It is one of the most um, ignorant statements made out there. Oh, it's the uniparty. There's no difference between the parties. Sometimes, sadly, there isn't enough difference between the parties. But the idea that there is no difference between the parties? Stop it. The idea that culturally there's no difference between the parties? Stop it. The idea that you can clearly see a group of people who stand very proudly for the idea that Hamas is on the side of good. And then you've got, of course, people on the political right who recognize what a terrorist organization uh, Hamas is. It is obvious to all the rational players that there is a difference. 
that there is a difference. And the difference is quite large, by the way. So we, we understand each other. But there are a couple of stories outside of this, this insanity, that I thought um, should be discussed. And one of them was the story about Microsoft. Microsoft, according to the Washington Free Beacon, put together a deal with the Chinese Communist Party. But not just the party. They helped Chinese state-run media outlets disseminate propaganda as part of an unreported partnership agreement. This, according to the Washington Free Beacon. They signed collaboration deals with state-run Chinese media outlets, China Daily and People's Daily, the latter of which is the official newspaper of the Central Committee of the Chinese government, which is to say the Communist Party. Microsoft would provide China Daily with technology that lets the paper target potential readers and gave the People's Daily access to an artificial intelligence bot specifically designed to be controlled and censored by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, one could ask, is this uh, a problem? I believe the answer to this is absolutely. The amount to which U.S. companies are in bed with China, I think matters greatly. And we should be asking ourselves exactly how deep do the relationships go and how do they uh, affect us? So if I am having a conversation about the communists that are the the the, the communist Chinese party, the CCP, uh, the communists that lock up Uyghur Muslims, uh, that uh, go about uh, re-education camps, that kill their enemies. And let's say I'm talking about it, and we now post this story, right? We post what I was talking about, we write it up, and we've got the audio. Do I now find that Microsoft search engines like Bing don't share that information? Because after all, they have a financial relationship with China. Now, Microsoft is saying that the agreements expired years ago and were not renewed. But maybe that's too little too late. You had already done the deal. And proving you can do the deal means that it gave other people kind of cover to do other deals. We're talking about outlets that lie, just like TikTok does. Uh, the, the, the conversation about TikTok is coming, uh, is, is coming soon, people. The TikTok conversation is coming very, very, very soon. I mean, we've already had it once. I think it's very obvious that it's coming back. China lies about everything. They lie to everyone about everything. They cannot be trusted. Why would you help them spread lies that hurt other nations, hurt other people, and hurt the citizens of China who have to live under the lies? Shouldn't we know this about a company we're supposed to put our faith in? My, uh, for for uh, my morning show, the corporation uh, that, that owns the station, they, they use Microsoft Office just like millions of other people. Do I now trust? Well, to what extent did I trust it before? Now, this is just one story.
there's another story regarding Disney. And this story matters because this is about whether or not DeSantis can add himself a a buoying moment. The Daily Signal, which is the Heartland, uh, not Heartland, uh, Heritage Foundation, uh, magic, magic behind the magic, Florida government reveals massive Disney corruption scheme. Now, you understand that DeSantis, the governor of Florida going after Disney, has been a hot-button issue, and a lot of people saying, why are you doing this? Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, for me, it was, I don't quite understand going after a, a company for making movies that you don't like, he argued that it was about invasion in, in, into politics. Eh, we agree, we disagree on that one. But the idea that somehow Disney is supposed to have their special tax uh, haven, right? The Reedy Creek Improvement District, the RCID. That somehow this is supposed to be theirs for forever. Well, that's not true. This was formed in 1967. The legislature, the governor, creating this local government called the Reedy Creek, R-E-E-D-Y, Reedy Creek Improvement District. And this is where Walt Disney kind of operated. Not kind of, it's where they operated. Well, what has been discovered is that, um, as Daily Signal describes it, Reedy Creek was a separate entity from Walt Disney, but... The the actual district referred to employees as cast members, and all the employees got perks. Perks like what? Perks like millions of dollars worth of annual passes to theme parks worldwide, 40% discounts on cruises, free transferable single-use tickets during holiday season, discounts on merchandise, market market discounts on food and beverage, access to non-public shopping reserved for Disney cast members where the merchandise was gracefully discounted and items were made available that were otherwise not available for public purchase. So Disney saw this Reedy Creek Improvement District as an opportunity for a place to hand out bribes to be able to get done what they wanted done. Just so we understand each other, that's what Disney did. Disney was involved, as is described in this, in the bribe game. Well, I would think that that would make uh, DeSantis's um, maneuvering regarding uh, Disney all that more attractive. Instead, what do I get uh, from from Trump? Trump blames Ron DeSantis for Florida State not getting into the college playoff. Florida State, which was undefeated, got snubbed. Alabama, which had one loss, but they beat Georgia by a field goal, ending their 29-game winning streak. They got in. So Trump says DeSantis is to blame. That is some outstanding politics, people. Absolutely outstanding, outstanding politics. World class. 
criminally insane, but world, world class. And then uh, there were people associated with Trump piling on, and DeSantis did this, and DeSantis. If Disney was involved in bribes, isn't that the kind of thing you want to uncover? And if that's what was uncovered, if this is what holds up, then wasn't DeSantis right to get rid of the Reedy Creek Improvement District because it was nothing more than a machine, a, a vessel for Disney wants and desires as opposed to what was right for the people of Florida? You would think he'd get credit for it. That's what you would think. That he would get credit for it. We'll see. We'll see if this becomes part of the debate structure uh, tomorrow. Oh, yeah, the debate in Alabama. Where I don't think those people are mad that Alabama got in. No, I think those people would be very, very pleased. But as for Disney... um. Not a, not a good look at all. I'm Tony Katz. Ms. Stefanik, you're recognized for five minutes. Dr. Gay, a Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, correct? Our commitment to free speech... It's a yes or no question. Is that corrected? Is that okay for students to call for the mass murder of African Americans at Harvard? Is that protected free speech? Our commitment to free speech... It's a yes or no question. Let me ask you this. You are president of Harvard, so I assume you're familiar with the term intifada, correct? I've heard that term, yes. And you understand that the use of the term intifada in the context of the Israeli-Arab conflict is indeed a call for violent armed resistance against the state of Israel, including violence against civilians and the genocide of Jews. Are you aware of that? That type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. And there have been multiple marches at Harvard with students chanting, quote, there is only one solution, intifada revolution, and, quote, globalize the intifada. Is that correct? I've heard that thoughtless, reckless, and hateful language on our campus, yes. So based upon your testimony, you understand that this call for intifada is to commit genocide against the Jewish people in Israel and globally, correct? I will say again, that type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. That's the president of Harvard who will not condemn Allowing it to happen is different than whether or not you will condemn it's happening. Why won't you just say so? Why won't you just say these people are wrong? We have failed our students who believe uh, that Jews should be eliminated. And the reason that she won't is because she knows she won't have a job. The reason that she won't is because she does not want to have to deal with the outrage. You want to tell me, what what were they telling me, that Christian nationalism is the problem? No, 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 no. This is the leftist outrage machine, the violent leftist outrage machine. Everywhere, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you.
Find everything, TonyCats.com. And maybe that comes because people like Ibram Kendi are still out there. Ibram Kendi, who is explaining to you why whiteness doesn't connect with humanity. I, I don't think uh, white uh, people worldwide have really reckoned with how much their own personal identity is shaped by constructions of whiteness and, and how much um, that construction of whiteness uh, prevents uh, white people from uh, connecting to humanity. In other words, uh, recognizing that uh, when, you, when you recognize that you are part and parcel of humanity, in other words, you're not over humanity, right? Uh, it, it allows you to really be able to connect to people who don't look like you, who have kinky hair, who have dark skin, uh, and to see yourself in them. And it's whiteness that prevents that, right? And, and when you're not able to see yourself uh, in other human beings, that creates all sorts of problems. The bigotry, so great. The bigotry of, of Dr. Gay there at, at Harvard, unwilling to stand up and say, I've heard these hateful things, but not I condemn these things. And then there are people out there who listened to Ibram Kendi. I, I must say, uh, a Dr. Kendi, hilarious. Um, I do not see myself in you, and I don't want to see any part of you in me. You think that's a skin color conversation? We're talking about your diseased, hateful mind. I want no part of it. I want no part of saying that a person's skin color determines whether or not they can be decent. And all people with pick the skin color are not decent. They all have this problem. That's KKK talk, weirdo. I want no part of that. You hateful bigot. And we're supposed to applaud this guy, laud this guy, read his books. Who the hell would spend their money on this bigoted fool? I have said this now in a couple of different ways, and I'm going to hit it again. The baseline for all of our conversations is that the left, the political left, is now fully exposed as a party of not only hate, but of destruction. They want to throw their political enemies in jail before they ever do anything just because they don't like them. They don't want to uh, even state that it's wrong to rape women. They will not state that in the halls of Congress. They will still prop up this idea that we should divide people based on skin color. And we should call people oppressed or oppressor, guilty and not guilty. All of the hate. It's institutionalized. Codified. That's the baseline that cannot be avoided. So let's work from that. I'm Tony Katz.
And now one of those great moments in the economy where you go, what the heck is happening? What the heck is happening? Brought to you by Tony Katz today. Uh, seriously, I'm going to need a sponsor for this kind of thing. Tony Katz, that's me. Good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669 is the number. All right, this, this is the one that makes you go, all right, someone take a breath, take a step back. Can we go through this? Job openings down to 8.7 million in October, which was below the estimate. It's the lowest level since March of 2021. And you're like, oh, so if we're trying to cool the economy, this is, this is good. Except the markets didn't react in a positive sense. They kind of went the other way. Now, who knows where they'll end up? But we should be asking ourselves, what does this mean? Does this prove a, a, a level of trend? Does this prove that the increase in interest rates is finally having the effect? We're going to get out of this inflation soon? Or does it go the other way and that people aren't hiring because there's nothing to hire for because nobody's buying? You see, you see the problem? There, Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis. And doctor, don't let my cold uh, stop anything. My voice will crack. The whole thing is is, is a mess. But I, I texted you, job openings at 8.7 million. Good question mark. And you wrote back, this is now a trend, to which I responded, in which direction? So talk to me. <laughs> what does this number mean to you? Well, you know, you and I have been talking about this for a number of months now. Um, that the trend we were, you know, we see data, it's good, it's bad, it's good, it's bad. It's very confusing. But what we see right now is we see a trend. This is a trend in the wrong direction. The job openings have been declining from a peak of 12 million down to now 8.7 million. This is a trend in the wrong direction. We keep seeing it changing. It was supposed to be 9.4. So this was a huge miss from what expectations were, and it's now a trend. So we're going to say, what does this mean? This means potentially not a soft landing. So, you know, we t we've been talking about this before. There was that, remember last week, it was 52% of the market thinks that probably things are going to be better. I bet you right now, that's now 52% think things are going to be worse. So let's take a step back. How does having more job openings or less job openings than was anticipated prove uh, that things are getting worse because as i as i stated and i don't mean to answer my own question here we have discussed the idea that slowing down the economy is part of what the fed wants to do and one would think less jobs means a slower economy to bring down the inflation and then allow interest rates to come down after that you're saying now, that's see, not I, the case i've never i've never said that slowing the economy is good or that the Fed wants to. That's a popular statement that people make, but I don't say that. The Fed actually would like the economy to grow. They don't want it to shrink. What they want is more stuff, but they control only the cash. So they would like more stuff. That's not what's happening here. What's happening is a potential recession direction. That's all I'm saying. In the direction of a potential recession because companies are hiring, there's less openings and the hirings are down and the quits, the quits have been consistently down. We now have a trend. The quits have been consistently down now for the last few reports, which means fewer people are quitting their jobs, means there are more op or fewer openings. And that's not a thing in the good direction, except remember that wild card. We keep talking about the labor shortage. 
we're still in that labor shortage post pandemic. So it's this again, kind of convoluted picture at the moment. So the job openings down refers to the fact that the great resignation is now over. People are sticking with the job that they have, even if they don't like the job, they can't hop to the next gig. There are employers who would still like to hire, but those potential employees aren't out there. And for other employers, they've decided not to hire at all because they don't have as of yet enough sales because of what inflation has done and where this economy is. That's what you're telling me? Um, I think that's part of it. There's also the skills mismatch because we still have a, a, a disconnect between what employers need and what employees are willing to offer, especially in technical fields like engineering and electricians and plumbers and so forth. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, and we could talk for forever on the need for uh, pushing trade schools and moving people in in that direction. But let's make sure we understand what this means for the economy. This doesn't mean the job openings going down, that the uh, the economy is cooling, Rather, it shows an issue that there is no ability for that, that we're, we're losing the ability for growth. Am I hearing it right? Yes. You summarized it well now, and you did when your introduction. I think you, you, you are getting this very well. I wonder if the listeners are, because it's, it's, not a, it's not a simple picture. There is a lot of complications in this. And that's, and that's why we go over it. So let's make sure uh, that, that we do in, in a series of, of things uh, that you sent to me and texted me before we started. Does this slide to 8.7 million job openings? This signals to you as an economist or you as a layman as a labor shortage, correct? It's, well, yes, but that's not what the 8.7 tells me. That doesn't tell me there's a labor shortage. What tells me a labor shortage is we are still 4 million jobs shy of where we should be based on pre-pandemic trajectory. We're still not where we need. We still have a lot of openings. We still don't have enough people to fill them. There's still the labor shortage, which is that great resignation. It hasn't been, it may, the bleeding may have stopped. So what you said a while ago, is it over? I think that the bleeding has stopped but we still haven't recovered our health. We're still not healthy. We still have to be in the intensive care unit. And uh, I think the president is doing nothing to get us out of it. This is where it gets uh, confusing because uh, it, 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 it would seem to me that a business that isn't selling would make, it would make sense that they would not do the hiring, whether it's to produce the widget or to, or to sell the widget, because there aren't as, as many buyers out there it would seem like smart business practice. And certainly we've seen even in bad markets, that people are able to survive and thrive through that level of, uh, of adapting. Why isn't this something to say, well, this is just normal and then these companies will be leaner and they'll be able to to function better and then they'll have better growth and that will actually be helpful uh in the long run oh there's a lot to what you just said um companies and i don't know if this is the answer and if it's not you 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 tell me but companies because of the fear of of potential recession do not want to hire people they would rather have variable costs. They'd rather outsource their costs. They'd rather, instead of building a, and owning a house, they'd rather rent the house in case something bad happens. 
And so part of the dynamic you're seeing here is companies, they need skilled labor. The skilled labor isn't there, but they also would let rather someone else hire the labor rather than them hiring themselves as a full-time employee. Yes, but now you're bringing up a, a, a different concept. Before, I was discussing the idea of people not hiring because there aren't as many sales to make and they're adapting to this this new economic environment, and that would make sense to me. You're saying that they're not hiring out of fear. Why do you say that? No, no, it, it's both. No, you are correct, Tony. You are correct in saying they don't see future sales and so, therefore, the number of openings has dropped. Yes, that, that is a correct statement that you made. But it's also true, this is why I said it's complicated, it's also true that to manage the future risk of a recession, when they hire, they would prefer to outsource it or hire a variable cost rather than a fixed cost. A fixed cost is harder to get rid of. It's easy for a company to lay off an, a contractor or simply tell the contractor, we don't need your services next month. It's, more, it's, it's easier to do that than it is to say to a full-time employee who you had for 20 years, we don't need you. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I'm looking at sectors where the decline was in job openings. Retail declined by 102,000. Leisure and hospitality by 136,000. I find that interesting as you're starting to head into holiday season. Remember, this was from October, but heading into holiday season that you'd have less of those things. We're seeing more people fly. We saw more people flying uh, regarding Thanksgiving uh, than ever. They screened millions and millions and millions of people did, did TSA, but we see a decline in leisure and hospitality. 217,000 down in financial activities. 238,000 down in education and health services. Did the job opening declines, these sector declines, did any of them stand out for you? Um, no, none of them stood out to me because you just mentioned a whole bunch of declines. This is the byproduct of what we have been talking about. The people have been spending their savings. Their savings have declined. Their savings rate is down. They're putting more money in their credit card. We said, you and I, this can't continue. At some point, you're not going to have any savings left. At some point, your credit card will max out. That's what I think you're seeing here, is simply that, that spending binge is now beginning to slow. So we move over to the spending idea, and there was a story about the idea of doomsday spending. I thought it was fascinating because it's really about psychology. People know the economy is bad. They don't feel safe. They don't feel secure. And so they, two things happen. People say, well, it's all going to collapse anyway. Uh, I, don't, I don't care if, if I go bust. I don't care if I pay back my credit card. I might as well get that new TV. I might as well get that new pair of shoes. I might as well get this new this. And you see credit card debt last quarter at $1.08 trillion. And the other side of it is everything's bad. I'm concerned. I'll make myself feel better with the spending and now the spending is not based on affordability but it's rather based on other psychological factors including a kind of like a screw it factor and that means bad news uh for for the future you agree with this assessment about doomsday spending i i will confess that i had not thought of that until you just now brought it up but i in my own experience have anecdotal evidence of people that are doing that it makes complete sense. I'd have, I'm going to have to sleep on it, but my initial reaction is that makes complete sense, and I have seen it myself. Wow. 
that's not frightening as hell. I mean, it's it's every, every single time we talk, it's it's like it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. Even when we see better trend numbers, like we've seen in terms of inflation numbers, these other numbers come up, and it, and you seem to be uh, saying to us, none of this signals strength going forward. That's your your overall. None of this signals strength going forward. You know, that's not what I say. I always say it's confusing. There's contradictory information. Some says good, some says bad. And even in this interview, I've said that the percentage probability of a bad outcome of a recession just flipped from prob- most likely not to most likely yes. That, that's, that's still on the bubble. I'm, 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 you know, I'll defend myself and say I'm not just a doomsdayer here. I think it's just more likely at this point of a recession than unlikely. And you, you also uh, stated that the idea of a soft landing might very well be off the table, just as a matter of description. What do they mean when they discuss uh, soft landing, and what would a not soft landing look like? Well, a, a soft landing would, would be the economy slows. Maybe we have a little negative GDP for one quarter, and then we go on a positive growth trajectory again. A hard landing would be we have uh, – layoffs, we have business closures, we have an actual recession, you know, that nobody can deny like they denied last year's recession. That would be a hard landing. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Uh, We'll keep watching and we will keep drinking bourbon because I think that's the only thing we we can agree on. I think it's the only thing we can all agree on. The bourbon is very necessary to, to wash all of this down with. Dr. Matt Will, always a pleasure. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So what I'm watching here is a video of uh, Lukeville, Arizona. Now, I must admit, I was not familiar with Lukeville, Arizona. But if Bill Malugan is going to be talking about it, I'm I'm going to pay attention to it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. And there in Lukeville, Arizona, which is right on the border with Mexico, it is video of a smuggler who has cut through the fence children and adults jumping through the fence and then the smuggler looks into the camera it's a fox news camera that's rolling looks into the camera kind of does a shrug right like like you see with the emoji both hands kind of like in the air a little bit bent elbows like what are you gonna do gives a salute and then walks away this is the southern border under joe biden Anybody want to tell me now that the border is safe and secure? Anybody want to tell you this? Anybody else want to lie to you like this? They're never so happy as when they're lying. This border is not safe. This border is outrageously dangerous. No one is safe here. And to say otherwise is clinically insane. 
the brazenness we discussed and and i'll be getting into this next week with, with border week presented by americans for prosperity i've been doing interviews with with policy people with uh the the yuma sector a former uh, uh chief there the yuma sector border patrol uh, a host of people about what it is we're seeing what it is we're experiencing and all the different policy places that we need to do better some of it in terms of our own immigration policy some of it in terms of border security and technology some of it in terms of of people some of it in terms of just uh, the recognition of the humanitarian issues at play and how come we never discuss the united states citizen as part of those humanitarian issues i think that's pretty important the american citizen matters greatly in the conversation regarding the humanitarian costs of the border so so we get into all of that But these people who tell you that everything is fine are lying their butts off. They lie and they lie and they lie because you cannot watch this video and then think that everything is fine. But then again, I've got a a umpteen hours of video to show you that'll show you that not everything is fine. It's not. And these people lie. Mayorkas lies. And it's just despicable. It's disgusting. We owe America more. We have to make the changes. And the changes might not be liked by everybody, but the changes have to be made. You want safety, you want security, you actually have to go get them in this case. And I'll be getting into it next week. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz Today.